So, hello church, how are you doing tonight? Doing awesome. Wow, it's always uh, for me a pleasure to be in the house of God, especially in the international community, because you have people from around the globe. I see some people from Switzerland, like you, the New as well, then we have some people from Asia, we have people from America, some people from Africa, some people from Australia. Who is from Australia? Who wants to be? Wow, there. Mexico is also Australia, yeah, yeah, no, no big deal. <laughs> no, it's always uh, for, for me a big pleasure to be here. And uh, this morning, before I started the message this morning, we had a lady on the stage. She's doing volunteer for more than 16 years in the children department. And now she, she makes a break, you know why? Because she's pregnant, she has twins. And that's for me a very, was a very touching moment because we have hundreds of people in our church that have been around the church from the early, early days. And they're just serving, they just be a part in the church. And they, they are the ones I have laid the foundation in our amazing church. And let's give all those people behind the scenes. Also, that means the, the, we see the worship and you see myself. But there's a lot of people behind the scenes, like, like setting up the chairs early in the morning and doing the sound uh, and down in the cellar multimedia. Let's give all those people a big hand tonight. Come on. Yes, it's amazing. Before I start, this series about the voice of God, it's a four series, uh, series, and we have four different preachers. I start, and then the next Sunday, we have Nick Legler, uh, and then a the week later, we have, um, I think, Johannes Hartel, he's a guy from Germany, a very unique guy, and then Andreas Bantli from Germany, and also some, somebody from the International Celebration. I think Dan is preaching as well. That means four different preachers in four in one series. How cool is that? The topic is the voice of God, hearing from God. And here's the thing. People asking me all the time, how can I be sure this is God who speaks to me and it's not my own voice, it's not even my wife or my, 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 my husband or it's not the devil. How can I be really sure God is speaking to me? And what I love about the topic, God gives us a very, very unique picture because God uses a lot of illustration in the Bible. And one illustration for hearing the voice of God, it's the illustration of a sheep, a sheep, you know. A sheep is actually perfect to hear the voice of God. Why is that so? Because a sheep is almost blind. A sheep, they say, it's a little bit stupid, but a sheep, and here's the good part, has a very sensitive ear. A sheep is able to hear the master's voice. In John chapter 10, verse 3, the Bible says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. That means a sheep is able to hear the voice of the shepherd. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And let's see an amazing clip. It's cloudy. Sheep is not able to see, but hears very well. Here is an amazing clip. Yes. 
amazing, right? For all the parents, when I say to my kids, kids, lunch is uh, finished, they're not coming. <laughs> it's crazy. In John chapter, verse 4 goes on, when he brought out all his own, that goes on ahead of them. Sometimes you ask the question, where is God? God is always in front of you. If you say, where is God? Just look in front. He's leading and guiding you. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. We are able to hear God's voice. Verse 5, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from it because they don't know, recognize a stranger's voice. And here are some strangers. They're saying the same thing to the sheep, but the sheep, they're not moving at all. But they're not moving unless it's really the shepherd. That means we are able to hear and understand God's voice in a very unique way. In Luke chapter 8, verse 8, the Bible says all the time, whoever has ears to hear, and we have ears, let them hear. We are able to hear God's voice. In like in the book of Revelation, there are seven churches, and the Bible always says, the Spirit of God is speaking to the church, and please open your eyes, and you are able to understand, recognizing the voice of God in your life. Uh, well, I don't think so. God has not a, a speaking problem. God speaks all the time. But often we have a hearing problem, a hearing challenge in our life. And let's study um, a very unique uh, uh, passage in the Bible about, about four different heart attitudes. And I believe you're not one part. Sometimes we're flipping from one to the next one. And there are reasons why we're not able to understand God's voice. And let's give an opening message about how we're able to hear God's voice. The point number one is, what hinders me from hearing God? It's the polluted heart. If my heart is polluted, I'm not able to hear God's voice. In Luke chapter 8, verse 12, the Bible says, those along the path are the ones who hear. We are able to hear. Then the devil comes and takes away. Here is the thing. Not only God speaks, there is also a devil. A devil comes to steal, to rob, to kill the voice of God. He is actually always in a position when God speaks, he does everything in the power to pollute our hearts all the time. It's not happens once, happens all the time and again and again. I just thought about what could be the reasons why the devil steals the word of God from our hearts back again. The point number one, what I see often is we make wrong decisions. Have you ever made wrong decisions? You know what happens when we do wrong decisions, when we make wrong decisions? We're regretting. 
we say, oh, why in the world have I done that? I'm, I'm not so stupid, but I hear something and you know in your heart, if I'm going on the right track, it's wrong, it's not from the devil, it's not from God, it's actually from the devil. And what happens, we are stepping back and we feel ashamed. Like Adam and Eve, they heard the voice of God, then they felt ashamed. The point number two could be like when sometimes we are disappointed about people. If somebody in your life disappoints you, stands always between you and God. The Bible is saying when you take the Lord's Supper and you have a fight with somebody, you are disappointed with somebody, please let the Lord's Supper stay, go and bring that things uh, in, a, in a good situation again. Go and say, so sorry, and then they'll go back and take the Lord's Supper, and you're able to hear God's voice again. Look, here is the thing. This happens all the time. I was in Austria. We had about 105 leaders in Austria. I remember seven years ago, we had not one leader in Austria. Now we have 105 leaders, an amazing gathering. And I felt the presence of God was super strong. I was teaching. My wife was teaching. We drove home. And there's, sometimes there are weekends where, where you feel revival is around the corner. I felt the presence of God is stronger than ever. And I was so super pumped. We drove back with 200 miles in, and 200 kilometers in my car. I have a very super fast car. And then uh, we, we, we made the stop. And when, I'm, when we did the stop, I looked on some emails. And there were one email about a guy who was really angry about me. When I wrote that email, I felt immediately disappointed. And it seems like the whole presence of God, the whole revival mood, boom, was gone in one second. Sometimes only one comment of a person, one email, one WhatsApp, one comment can destroy you hearing with God. It can be just be one person. Or a reason number three can be I'm very passive. If I'm passive, passive, I do nothing. Here's the thing, uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, my wife, she was gone for one week and she said to me, take care for the kids and for the whole house and everything. I have to be honest, I'm a super good babysitter. But I'm not a good cook. That's why I live very close by Ikea and, and McDonald's. And I just said, God, I need a strategy because I don't like to clean the house because the house is always cool, but means you have too many rooms. And I locked every room and said to my kids, you will not go in those rooms. They say, why? You know, I don't, I don't want to clean those. They're super clean right now. And when my wife comes back, we open the doors and the whole house is clean. After one week, what a smart guy is doing, I did a double check. I just opened the door and I said to myself, I, I, I want to be sure that this room is still clean. And I was shocked about one thing. Even if you do nothing in a room, the dust sets on the table, on a TV. The dust, you know, dust, it's not fear. just comes from heaven and everything is dusty, you know. And I was so disappointed because I had to clean even those rooms. I did nothing. That means if you're passive, your heart gets polluted even if you do nothing. Because we're living in a sinful life and we're reading things that are not really healthy for us. And another thing, what I love about our church, we did a 40 days challenge with hashtag Jesus 2018. And I asked God, what, what kind of a challenge should I do? And I heard clearly from God, clearly from God, clearly from God. And sometimes I don't like what, what I hear. That's the problem. Sometimes I don't like to hear what God is saying to me. He said to me, the next 40 days you eat no sugar. 
No ice cream, no Haribos, no chocolate, not even Swiss chocolate, not even letter, nothing. 40 days. You know what happened in those 40 days? I always died. And other thing, I lost about almost eight pounds. That's a good thing. And about two weeks ago, I was in, in Germany on a worship tour, and um, I said to God, God, please come down with the presence, change all the Germans. And all of a sudden, God says, saying to me, God is saying to me, it's not about the Germans, it's about you. Worship is about you. What's about you? Say, oh, I'm doing good, I'm doing a 40 days fasting, sugar, you know, God, I'm super strong. And then God asked me during the worship time, how do you like it so far? I said, oh, I feel super strong, stronger than ever. I feel my skin gets healthier from day to day, even with no buttocks. I feel very, I don't know, my skin is changing in a good way. And I feel I'm losing weight. God, the 40 days challenge is awesome. And then God asked me, what are you doing if the 40 days challenge is over? I said, where, where do you want to go? And God is asking me, do you want to start eating sugar? I said, yes, of course, because 40 days means just 40 days, no sugar, no coffee, no TV, no smoke. Then we're doing crazy again. And God is asking me, but you are sleeping better, you lost weight, and your skin is super beautiful. <laughs> Who in the world goes back to sugar when you figured out it's healthy for you? I said, I got you. I know what you mean. But don't go there, God. <laughs> and I felt like God asked me a question. What would happen if I do this for one year? I said, yeah, I know what will happen. My six-pack will be boom here. And my skin will be even awesome. And it was like God is speaking to me. You started something very well. What would happen if you do this for the next one year? I said to God, one year, it's too long for me, but let's go for another 40 days. And when I did the 40 days, then let's go for another 40 days and another 40 days, and then it's also one year. But it's just always 40 days, 40 days, and 40 days. And here's the thing. Sometimes you hear things you don't like. I don't like it. And I felt my heart is polluted because I'm so full of sugar, and I need the sugar, and I deserve the sugar, and I like the sugar, and God is teaching me, I think teaching me, to live a sugar-free life for a year. And after the one year, I will say, I don't need sugar. I'm sweet enough. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, the Bible is saying, and this was actually also a Bible verse who convinced me, because you have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body and spirit. And let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. And here's the thing. Sometimes you hear God so clearly about your spirit, your heart is polluted. And I said to God, God, I want to be obedient. What I hear, even if I don't like it, I trust you because I want to trust and I will trust. But sometimes I don't feel it's good. But God knows what is the best. The second area can be destructed heart. Our heart sometimes can be super destructed. You know, when you drive the car 
it's not allowed texting and smartphone and iPhone, not even eating, it's very forbidden. The same thing is with our heart in Luke chapter 8, verse 13. Those on the rock ground are the ones who receive the word with joy and they hear it. That means you hear the word of God and you're super excited. Come on, God, that's good stuff. But they have no roots. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fail away. And here's the thing. Sometimes you hear God and you're starting very well, but after a while, you're getting super tired. And here's my wife with an amazing story about that particularly Bible verse. Even though we don't move before um, the end of this year, we decided in January, the beginning of this year, to just go already through our stuff and sort things out that we cannot take with us and that, that will not have space to take with us. The first round was quite easy and it's so freeing to get rid of your stuff. But then, after a while, you start to come to the things you really like because it's, they, they are the books you get from friends or it's the furniture you have some memories added with and you cannot get rid of this, no, you cannot do that and all these, these things. But we had to decide ourselves and to take the decision and say, until summer, we get rid of that stuff, even though we have concerns in our hearts, even though we have feelings connected and all that stuff, because we want to do the stuff right. Yeah, it sounds easy to hear that story, but I'm a part of this woman. That means when God said to us, get rid of all the old things, I said, hallelujah, God, we have anyhow too many stuff, too many things at home. We started very well, but after a while, we realized, oh, oh, it goes very deep. Because there's a lot of things, you have emotions and feelings attached, and judge God said, get rid, get rid of, and it makes you lighter in your heart, and you're more able to understand God's voice. And here is a very good thing, if you are distracted, and sometimes you hear God, but you decided, I do my own thing. And you know, we, you hear all the time about the grace of God, the grace of God, and the grace of God, and the grace of God. You know what the grace of God means? Even if by purpose, by decision, you're doing your own thing, God is like a GPS. Please turn left. Now turn left. Please turn over. Please turn over. At 400 meters, turn right. Please turn over. Now turn left. 200 meters, turn right. Your destination is on the left side. You have reached your destination. Grace of God is like a GPS. 
Even if you do your own thing, God is saying, turn back, turn back, please turn back. If you go on, please turn back. If you go on, please turn back. If you turn, go on, please turn back. God is never, ever, 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 ever stopping to say, turn back, turn back, and 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 turn back. Yeah. You know, you know why I know that? If you are pastoring for long enough, sometimes people got saved and they're super excited for a while. They're leaving the church and after 10 years they're coming back because God said to them, turn back, turn back, turn back, turn back. And this is the grace of God. God will never stop speaking to you and bringing the best out of you, me, even when our heart is distracted. That's the grace of God. Come on. The heart number three can be the immature heart. The immature heart means you are a little bit green. Green. Green means you have potential to develop. In Luke chapter 14, the seeds that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. We are able to hear God's voice. But they go on with their own way and shocked by life's worries. You can be worried about money, about health, about kids, even about Donald Trump or Frau Merkel in Germany. The riches and the pleasures and do not mature. And here's the, here's the thing. Sometimes a person in your small group gives you a prophetic word. And that word makes no sense at all to you. Have you ever had this experience? A person prays for you and says, I had a dream. And uh, I have a word for you, and they share the word, they share the dream, and you're standing there say, oh, cool God, but I don't understand the meaning. And here's the thing, if you get a word, a prophetic word, a dream, whatever you get, please write it down. Write it down. Don't give the devil the chance to rob and steal it again. Because there's always a moment in your life where God gives you the revelation. Sometimes you have the revelation straight, that's a good thing, but sometimes it doesn't make sense at all. And maybe some weeks, some months later, God gives you the revelation. Look, here is a story from, from my own life about in February. I was in Jakarta. I preached four times. The first celebration in Jakarta starts 7 o'clock Sunday morning. People are lining up 6.30. <laughs> they open the doors 50 minutes before 7. People are running into the building. And when I preach about 7 o'clock in the morning, I said to God, I need I need a miracle because those people, they are ready, but I am super tired. When I finished the fourth service, I was on the way to the airport and there comes a couple and the bodyguard says to me, please, have you, have you just one minute, one minute, the couple, they want to share something with you. And there was a couple, they were traveling around the globe and after they traveled, they had always some money left, like some leftover money and they collected all the money from all different nations. And for two years, they had the envelope, and every celebration, they took the envelope with the money because God said to them, there will, there will come a pastor, and you have to give them pastor all the money. And for two years, guest speaker came, and they never heard the word from God, this is the one. But when I preached the word of God to them, God said to them, this guy, give all the money. And the guy said, I don't know why we should give you the money, there are currency from all over the globe. But God said to me, you're the man of God and you deserve the money. And here's the thing, I'm a Swiss guy. 
I'm not, I'm not lacking of any money because I'm a Swiss guy. You know, when you're going to Asia, there's a different level to Switzerland. And I felt, God, why are you doing that? If a guy from America blesses me, no big deal. But Asia, I don't get it. And the guy starts to shake and starts to cry. And then I said, okay, I want to pray for you. And the moment I start to pray for them, I felt, oh, no. Tears are in me. They want to come out. I said, God, I don't want to cry. Not now. I want to go home. But maybe later when they're gone. And when I turned around, I started to cry like a river. I could not stop crying anymore. I cried like a river, a river. There were the senior pastor, the co-pastor, my host. Everybody was there and saying, what's going on? Say, I don't know. And I could not stop crying anymore for more than a half hour, even in the car, even in the check-in in Jakarta. I cried. I could not stop crying anymore. And then my wife said, why do you cry? I said, it's a man thing. <laughs> I don't know. Men's are crying. I don't know. He said, but you should know why you cry. I said, I don't know. In the whole, when I flew back, I said, God, I don't, I don't get it. Why have this family gave me the money? And I put all the money into a box. And here is the box of all the money. I said to God, I am green. I don't understand the message. And I will leave the money in the box until you give me a revelation. And here's the thing. If you have a prophetic word, a dream you don't understand, keep it, save it, write it down. Don't throw it away. Don't take it for granted. And about two weeks ago, I was in a quiet time in the morning. God said to me, take, take the box. And I took the box and I put all the money on my bed. And the money, amount of the money, it's not super high. And God said to me, what do you see? I say, Here, there's some Singapore dollars. There's some money from the UK. There's some money from Malaysia. There's some real American dollar. Some money from Indonesia. Some money from Switzerland. Some money from Europe. And one bill from Cambodia. And I said to God, I don't understand the message. If, if I go with this money to the bank, it's almost for nothing. And I said, God, what is the message? Why have I cried? And then God spoke to me and said, Leo, in all these nations, you preached the last year. In all of them. And every bill stands, you planted a seed in those nations. But when you flew home, you felt the seeds are super small. You haven't made a big difference. But don't take it for granted, the small beginning. And in some years, your ministry will be super big. Month later, I get the revelation. You know why I get the revelation? Why I kept that prophetic crying in the box. And I said to God, I want to know. Give me the reason. And that's a lot of people right now. You face some challenges in your life. You have some words in your life and you don't understand the meaning. Your heart is maybe green like my heart is green too. But write it down. Seek the Lord until God gives you a big and amazing revelation. In Hebrew chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, and you see I have underlined some words, the we word. As for us, we have 
this large crowd of witness around us. We never walk alone. We have a small group, we have a family, people there with us on the same run. So then let us rid ourselves of everything that gets in the way and of the sin which holds us to so tightly. And let us run with determination the race that lies before us. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Here is the thing. Christianity doesn't mean God bless my own way. It's always about God, your ways and your thoughts and your kingdom. I am here to serve you. God is not here to serve me. I serve God. Christianity means I'm dead. I do everything to glorify God's name. When God speaks to me, it's always about his kingdom, his purpose, his dreams, his vision, and his plans. The last heart, I want to close with this, is the prepared heart. Of course, a heart is not only green, it's not only distracted, not only polluted, I can be also super ready. In verse 15 in Luke says, and the seeds that fell on the good soil represents honest Good-hearted people who hear God's word. We can hear God's word. I love that. And in closing the message is always, how can I be prepared? And I want to give you three moments in the life of the disciples. We can be super prepared. The first preparation is like Thomas. When Thomas, after Jesus died and resurrected from the dead, Thomas said, I don't believe that Christ is still alive. There's always a moment I have to repent. Sometimes we are doubting in our lives. Sometimes God is leading and guiding you and you don't understand why God is doing what he's doing. Sometimes I feel, God, do you want to kill me? Why? why should I do that? And there's some people in our church, maybe you lost a close friend, they died. Or maybe even your wife or your husband or even your kids and then he's starting doubting, why, why God? What, what is the reason, God, you took away this young lady from a family of three kids? What is the meaning? I don't get it. There's always a moment where we're doubting. Doubting is not a big problem, but you cannot doubt for years. There's always a moment in the life of Thomas, he said to God, oh, I'm so sorry. I fought so wrongly. And then the second thing is refocus. The Emmaus disciples, they were running away 180 degrees. When they met Jesus, repentance means I turn around 180 degrees in a new direction. I refocus to Jesus Christ. He is my reasons of everything. When I repent and refocus, then comes the third thing, revive me. The disciples, they were waiting in the room and Jesus said, wait until the Holy Spirit is poured out. And they had no clue, will this happen tomorrow or in one hour or one week? You never know when revival is around the corner. I think this maybe, I don't know how many years to my church, to the church. Let's believe revival is around the corner. Let's believe right now, revival starts right now. There's no reason why revival cannot start right now. We believe it. We have no clue when this will happen. But I am open, God. Please pour out the Holy Spirit over us. We need signs and miracles. We need breakthroughs in our lives. We need in so many different areas that you move your arms, that we can see you're real. Revive me means, God, I'm in the position, I'm able to hear you, your voice. 
Maybe my heart is polluted. Maybe I'm distracted. Maybe I'm a little bit green. But here, God, I am. Use me for your kingdom. And I believe from a bottom of my heart, I seeking and sensing the kingdom of God is for me the most important thing. Sometimes I wonder when everything fails and fades away, what does remain? Why do we come to this place from near and far? Because at the end of the day, there's nothing else that remains. What would it look like to face the consequences of something so radical? What would it actually look like to follow Jesus? Friendships may fail, heroes may fail, eventually riches turn worthless. He stirs a thirst for truth, compassion and love. Nothing that this earth could ever quench. What is it that we can truly build our lives and hope on? There is one thing and one thing only when it's all said and done. He alone is our solid rock, our center and our foundation.